We've had some great times as a family. They were, our boys were three and five when we started traveling. We raised them on the road, Brenda homeschooled them, and uh, we've just had some great times serving the Lord. But don't you know it's still a joy to serve the Lord? Yeah, I'm getting older, but serving God's not. Somebody said to me, aren't you a little bit old to be out here? I said, Moses didn't start till he was 80, and I'm not there yet. I have a desire in my heart. We're not out here for the fun of it. At this stage, we're not out here because we like to travel. We're out here because we have a burden. That burden is to see revival. If we've ever needed revival, it's now. Well, there needs to be a desperation in the hearts of God's people. Without the blessings of God and the help of God, we're going to be in trouble. We need to be reinforced. We need to be refreshed. With all that we've been coming through the last few months, we need a great move of God. And you need to hear me. God's never judged a nation by its politics. God judges a nation because of the relationship of his people to him. We need revival. Here may be your problem. The world has become so blatantly evil. Would you have ever believed you'd see what you're seeing now? That we as a church look at them and we think, well, we're all right. Only challenge is I preached this morning. Let God speak to your heart. Be willing to say, God, is there a need in my life? There was the day. What a marvelous day. That Jesus stood in the throne room of heaven. Laid aside the regal robes of glory. Condescended to this earth and took on the flesh of man. And went to the cross and was made sin. Mm, for you and I. That he might dress us in the riches and the robes of his righteousness by his great grace. Without controversy, the scripture said in 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. The greatest thing that ever happened was not when man set foot on the moon, but it's when God set foot on the earth as a man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, justified the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed unto this world, and received up into glory. What a glorious thing that God did in that. He left heaven with a purpose in his heart to bring us salvation. The scripture is clear. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There's a song I love to sing it. Oh, what a Savior. But the first verse is not right. God did not search through heaven to find a Savior. That means he didn't know who was going to do it and he was looking for a volunteer. God wasn't looking for a backup plan. God already had it planned. We have a Savior. And his name is Jesus. As we consider Jesus taking that position. As he stood, he stood in the... And I want you to get these thoughts in your mind. Because they're part of the main content of my message. He stood in the holy place. Because of his personage. Isaiah said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. One for the holy for the Father. One for the Son. 
went for the Holy Ghost. Holy is his name. Then he said he stood in the high place because of his position. John said, he that's from heaven is above all. He that's from above is above all. And the scriptures are clear. He's the God of all gods. There is not one God and several ways to get there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only avenue to the Father is through Jesus. The only access into the Father is through Jesus. And the only authority whereby you can call God your, your Father is through Jesus Christ being your Savior and your Lord. The question is, do you know Him today? If you don't, we want to see you saved. God wants to see you saved. There's nobody God can't save, nobody God not willing to save. I hope you'll trust Him as Savior today. But He stood in the hiding place. Because of his protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I love Psalm 91. That's one of my favorite scriptures. I'm protected by him. Shall have no fear of the pestilence that walketh in darkness. The arrow that flieth at noonday. Ten thousand shall fall by his side. But they'll not come nigh unto thee. But then it's a humble place. Because that's where we find our pardon. As we come before his throne and we repent of our sin. And if you're not saved today, that's what God wants you to do. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He wants you to recognize you're a sinner and turn from your sin to Christ to be your Savior. That's his invitation. That's our invitation. But it's also a horrible place, a place of punishment. Revelation 21. He said, I saw a great white throne. And he that sat upon it, whose face, even the heaven and the earth fled away. Wow. Mother earth is going to flee. You call it some Mother Earth if you want to. I didn't, I didn't come from Mother Earth. I came from God. Amen. Yeah. He said, the heaven and earth fled away, for there was found no place for them because of the manifestation of his holiness and his glory. Jesus came to this earth. All the miracles that he performed. He healed the sick because and the diseased because he was the great physician. He healed those in darkness that were blind because he is the light of the world. He healed those that were in disobedience and depravity because he is the Savior, he's the resurrection and the life. He went into every town and every village where he was. He led everybody, everyone that came to him in faith wanting to be saved, he saved. And if you want to be saved, he'll not turn you down. He healed everyone that came to him with diseases that reached out in faith, believing in his power. Then in a strange statement, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Wow! Greater works than these shall he do. Wait a minute. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Wait a minute. It's not talking about better. I can't do better than him. Greater here means more. Why would it be more? How can we do more? Because he in the flesh was limited in his presence. Not his power, not limited in his purity. He was God. Could not sin, did not sin. But he was limited in his physical presence. He went to Jerusalem. He went to Judea. He went to Samaria. But he said, I'm going to do something different. Now notice what he said in verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask. We'll go back to verse 12. He said, you'll do greater things. Why? Because I go unto my Father. 
Now, what happened as a result of him going unto his father? John chapter 14. He said, when the Holy Ghost has come, you shall know that I'm in you, you in me, and I'm with the Father. He said in verse 16, chapter 16, it's expedient, absolute necessary for you that I go. Why? So the comforter can come. God promised to do something special. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said to the church, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth by his pouring out his spirit on the church. The ministry was going to expand past Jerusalem, past Judea, past Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. To not only every continent, but to every nationality, to every people, to every town, to every village. That's his plan. He has empowered the church with his power. He has given the church the, not only the personnel by us being witnesses. He's given us the provision through the gifts of tithes and offerings unto the church. Everything, now get this, everything God gave to the church was meant to go through. Get this, Jerusalem starts in Jerusalem, but it goes out. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit was to come down upon the church and go out. And he said, you shall be. He didn't say, you think about whether you want to do it or not. He didn't say, you vote in a business meeting whether or not you want to have visitation or not. He said, you shall be. I contend this morning, if the power of God is on the church, if the power of God is on you as a believer, and you're full of the Spirit of God, you won't be able to be silent about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It'd be so, hey, you just can't help yourself. How God came down upon the church and they just went out. Man, life. What a fire spread. 3,000 the first day. God added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. We're seeing some strange things happening. We're seeing Christian lives that are fruitless. We're seeing churches that are fruitless. Is the Holy Spirit flowing through you? Or have you got him quenched? He said, quench not the Spirit of God. What quench me? It means to shut down. It means to choke off. The Holy Spirit was not put in you just to give you assurance of your salvation and to make you feel. The Holy Spirit was put in us that we might be witnesses unto Christ. Everything about our salvation is to bring honor and glory to Him. Ephesians 1, verse 7, 11. He said, you're predestinated not to a place but for a purpose. You diagram those sentences out. We're predestinated to be to the praise of His glory. We're predestinated to be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Ephesians 2.10, we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God had before ordained that we should walk in them. God didn't save you to go to heaven. You say, sure He did. No, you're going to heaven. If He saved you to go to heaven, you'd already be there. He saved us and left us here because we're in a world of darkness and we're to be the light to me, this is one of the most amazing truths in God's Word. A God who made everything from nothing said, let there be light, and there was light. But He has chosen to let us. Do y'all hear what I said? He's letting us be a light for Him. It's a privilege. But are we doing it? Or are you quenching the Spirit? Let me give you a picture quick like in the Scriptures. Of what I'm talking about. Remember the holy place, the high place, the hiding place, the humble place, the horrible place. There's a mountain in Israel, Mount Hermon. 
Mount Hermon, first of all, it's a picture of his holiness because it's snow-capped year-round. It's a picture of his position because it's the highest above all. But it also is told by the scriptures about the definition of Hermon that it's a secluded place. That's the protection. But it's also a place fit for destruction, the punishment. He said in John, as he spoke of the Lord, speaking of the Holy Ghost, out of his belly shall flow living waters. That's flowing waters. That's running waters. There shall flow living waters, which he spake of the Holy Ghost. Out of the belly of Hermon, coming from three springs. That's a picture of the Trinity. Coming out of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Comes the river Jordan. What does Jordan mean? It means descender. He that was above descended. It flows downward. And everywhere Jordan goes, there's life. Did you know everywhere we go as Christians, we ought to be showing life? The church ought to be a place of life. Yeah. It flows on down to the Sea of Galilee, just as Jesus left the circuits of heaven and came to the circle of the earth, the place of the heathen. Galilee means circle. How about that? Isn't that amazing? He put that parallel in the scriptures. What a God we serve. Oh, the Sea of Galilee, what a place it is. Josephus, the historian, said it's the most fertile plain anywhere in the world. People come from miles to be refreshed because in Galilee, there's always a breeze blowing. Oh, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be wonderful that every time we walked in these buildings, our, we call the church building, wouldn't it be wonderful that the presence of the Lord would be so, li so alive and so prevalent that it would be like a fresh breeze from glory breathing into our souls? Man, what a picture. Over 200. Over 252 boats were pictured on the Sea of Galilee at one time fishing. Why? Because it had the greatest variety of fish anywhere in freshwater lakes in the world. Mmm, greatest variety. What does that speak of? That speaks of what the church and who the church is all about. In Acts chapter, seven, uh, chapter 2, there were 17 different nations involved at Pentecost. 17 different nations in the first church. Boy, we've come a long way down since then. Did you know in the Baptist church, I don't know about the Methodist and Presbyterian and all that. I'm Baptist, so I'm preaching the Baptist. If you're a Methodist and Presbyterian, it'll probably apply to you too. We have a caste system. A lot of, a lot of churches got a caste system. Everybody's about basically the same pay grade, drives basically the same kind of cars. Mm -hmm. The church was meant for the poor as well as the middle, middle class and the rich. Listen, we're supposed to be willing to receive folks. It doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what their culture is. It doesn't matter how, what they look like. Listen, I don't care what they look like. If they'll come to hear the message, I want them in. Amen. I shared this this morning, and I know that the pastor remembers that we were in uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia, in a church, and they counted, the boys counted 13 different nationalities. They said, what is this? I said, this is church. It just thrilled my soul. And nobody made a distinction. Nobody made any different. Now, they're not like Americans up there in Canada. They keep their culture. If you're from Pakistan, you keep your Pakistanian culture. But buddy, when they got into church, there was no Pakistanian culture, no Oriental culture. They were just church, praising the Lord. The church is available to all. Amen? Amen. 
Does it matter to you? So a person walks in here. I got a person in mind. Church I preached in. You know, we live in different days. People act different. Some people look different. This guy come in, I'm not exaggerating. He had rings in his forehead. He had rings in his ears. He had rings in his nose. I'm not stretching it, am I? He had rings in his lips. That'd be a good way to go on a diet. <laughs> he even had a pen in his tongue. Tattoos all over him. But he came every night because he was eager to hear the word of God. Now, would I want to be like that? No. But I got news for you. I wasn't bothered one bit by it. If these kind of things get in your way, if we're more concerned about the way they look than about them getting saved and getting right with God, we got a problem. Oh, hear me. Galilee, what a place. It's a place of refreshing. It's a place of revival. That's what the church ought to be. You come out to work, it ought to be a place of refreshing. It ought to be a place of revival. You come to the house of God and you leave rejoicing, edified, strengthened, praising the Lord, ready for the battle on the outside. Well, Jordan flows through. What did I tell you? Everything God gave the church is supposed to flow through. Jordan flows through Galilee, comes out the other side. There's fish in, in Jordan. There's life in Jordan. And all of a sudden, Jordan dies. It turns into the dead sea, the salt sea. Are you aware of the fact that there are no streams, salt streams or springs coming into the dead sea? The only water coming into the Dead Sea is coming from Jordan. Mm -hmm. And within minutes after these fish arrive at the Dead Sea, they're dead. Nothing lives in there in Salt Sea except algae. Picture of disease and death. It's 25% saltier than any ocean in the world. Billions, billions, billions of dollars worth of minerals in the Dead Sea that cannot be harvested. What is that a picture of? It's a picture that in every believer you have all the fullness of God in you. But is it of any use other than to yourself? John chapter 1, he said, of his fullness have all we received. If it had said of his fullness we all received, of his fullness we receive because of the preposition of. It could be interpreted. I got some. You got some. You got some. You got some. But because the all was placed positionally in front of the we, there's a double implication there. All of us got all that God is. I don't have a little bit of God. I got God. It's not a feeling. He's a person. That's the reason they use the word Holy Ghost. Instead of just the Holy Spirit. In Webster's original dictionary, I found something very interesting. There's a definition in ghost you can't find in spirit. The word ghost literally means the spiritual presence of a person departed. That means the Holy Ghost is the fulfillment of John chapter 14. Jesus said, when the Comforter is come, ye shall know that I am in you. You in me, and I'm with the Father. By using the definition of the word Holy Ghost, which means the spiritual presence of a person departed, the Holy Ghost in me is God. It's the Lord who ascended back into heaven, and he now lives within my heart. You got the Lord. 
You say, say amen. amen. You don't have a little bit of God. You can't break God up into pieces. He's infinite. You've got God in you. Your body is his temple. What are you doing with him? Are you letting him out? Hmm? Do you know what is being harvested from the Dead Sea? Potash salt, and salt. But there's another one. Weird. There's a strange phenomenon taking place in the salt sea. Asphalt bubbles up on the floor of the Dead Sea. Scientists don't understand it. Now wait a minute. It's not the asphalt. It's not the asphalt you pave streets with. It's the asphalt that you make embalming fluid with. In other words, its production is only death. I want to tell you this morning, when you quench the Holy Spirit in your life, and you quench the work of God in your life, there's only one direction. James said, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. My question not only is for the church, but my question for you as an individual this morning, are you a Dead Sea Christian? Or is the Holy Spirit flowing through you? Why is it dead? You see, there's a strange, another strange phenomenon taking place. Again, life left Galilee, the same amount of life and treasures in Jordan that came in till it gets to the Dead Sea. The problem is there's a mountain in the way. And the phenomenon is because that mountain is stopping the flow, death comes. Disease comes. Disaster. Nothing is alive in the Dead Sea. And I want to tell you something this morning. You hear me, church. A church that is not letting the Holy Spirit flow through it is going to die. When we cut off the message, the witness, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, I'll, the Great Commission, I'll send you forth into all the world. When we cut off the message, when we cut off money, the missions, and when we cut off ministry. What's ministry? That's reaching out in the community and reaching people through ministry, helping people. You know what I hear all the time about that? Well, we used to help these folks, but they don't appreciate it, so we're not going to help them anymore. You're doing it for the wrong reason. We don't help people to get appreciated. We help people to show the love of Jesus. That's the purpose, folks, of reaching out into your community. There's a lot of folks that believe in foreign missions, but they don't believe in local missions. God didn't put you here just to send money over. He put you here to start in Jerusalem. This is your mission field. There's a mountain. Hmm. Let's look at this problem. There's a mountain of selfishness. Do you know when a church starts backsliding, you know one of the first things they cut money-wise? Missions. When a Christian starts getting selfish, guess what they do? They start cutting off the money to the church. A lady put on Facebook the other day, said, we're sacrificing by tithing. I thought, no, you're not. Tithe belongs to the Lord. Amen. Not mine. I've not sacrificed a thing until I put some of my money, not his. That's automatically in. 
When I put some of mine, then I'm sacrificing. Boy, in the pandemic, you wouldn't believe what some churches are going through. I'm glad to hear y'all are giving. You may be giving as a church, but are you giving as an individual? Or have you quenched the Spirit of God? You quenched the flow coming through. While churches may minister and reach out to people, a lot of times there's individuals in the church that are selfish. Hmm. Mountain of selfishness. Mountain of self-exaltation. Look at us. This is, look at what we are. Look at our church. We're the best. We had a church down in South Georgia. Got to grow it. Man, they were winning souls. But the people became very proud. And they started telling other people in the area, why would you go to a church like you got when you come to a church like we have? We're the best. They were running about 700 at that time. You know what they're running now? About 50. Mm-hmm. Mountain of self-exaltation. Mountain of self-edification. I'm not going back. They didn't bless me. They didn't sing my song. I didn't feel anything. How many wants to feel good? Say amen. Any of y'all need to feel good this morning? Amen. <laughs> I bet everybody said that was probably over 50. If you haven't got there, you will. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But hey, listen. Get in church. Forget about yourself. Get your mind on the Lord. Worship the Lord. Enjoy the singing. Get involved in the singing. Praising the Lord. And you'll feel better when you leave. I promise you. You'll feel better all over more than anywhere else. Let me tell you. How many has ever come to church? Now hang on. How many has ever come to church feeling bad, but you left feeling 100% better? Let me see your hands. You know why? This is a spiritual engagement. We're in the presence of the Lord. And the Spirit of God is working through us as a church and a body. You need the church and the church needs you. Ah, mountain of self-edification. mountain of some exclusions. That's those weird people I was talking about. Burners. I told him this morning, and your pastor knows this guy. Great, good man of God. He's with the Lord now. We up in the mountains of West Virginia, and I've been there about, I don't know, 8 or 10, 11 times, something like that. And uh, we were riding down the street, small town, so I kind of knew, glimpsed of most everybody. I said, is that, is that a newcomer walking down the street there? He said, yeah, that one of them furners moved in here. I figured, Texas, California? I said, where's he from? He said, the other side of the mountain. <laughs> I had a deacon told me in the church I pastored. He said, Brother Ken, you've got to understand we're clannish. He said, people moving in our community don't act like us. We don't have anything to do with them. I said, in other words, if they don't act like you, then go to hell. He said, that's not what I said. I said, that's how it translates. You're going to let them in the community. You're not going to invite them to church. You're not going to visit with them. You're not going to pray with them or invite them to the Lord. They can sit under the shadow of the steeple and die and go to hell. Now, we're still friends, I guess. Last time I saw him, he hugged Brenda, but he didn't hug me. No, we are. We are. And he knew he was wrong. But he accepted. Let me tell you something. We're not to be clannish. We're to be an open church. Oh, listen, then there's the mountain. <laughs> Self-entertainment. You don't come to church to be entertained. If you want to be entertained, you go to a nightclub. Don't go there. <laughs> you come here to be edified. Now, I've got to say this. During COVID... 
We wash y'all a lot. And I don't know how many times y'all's choir and y'all's music encouraged us. We sat in our sunroom listening to y'all praise the Lord and sing the songs of Zion. Man, how y'all's music encouraged us. That's the way it ought to be. Amen? Amen. Hey, when you got COVID, you're not looking for entertainment. You don't feel like entertainment. You want something to make you feel better. Amen? And it didn't matter how much I hurt. What mattered was I was being blessed. You don't come to church for entertainment. It's not about a performance on the platform. It's about the presence of the Lord and the praise unto the Lord. Oh, listen. That's a mountain that's in the way today. Mountain essentialism. That's where we let the things of the flesh come between us and God. What do you have in your... Now, I want you to get this. God told Israel quickly. God told Israel. The things I gave you have become your lovers. What did God give him? They gave him gold. He gave him silver. He gave him corn. He gave him oil. He gave him wine. If God gives it to you, it's all right to have it. Would you all agree with that? Amen. But he said they have become your lovers. What did that mean? That meant the, the material things that he gave them were more important than worshiping him. When we allow anything that may not be a sin. For example, maybe you've got a place on the lake. There's not anything wrong with having a place on the lake. Especially if you invite me. There's not a thing wrong with having a place on the lake. But if you let that keep you out of church and let that keep you from doing things for God, it has become your God and it become your lover and God's not happy. He said, I'll take these things away from you. I want you to think, what is it about in your flesh? It's quenching the Spirit of God. What kind of sensual things, sinful things in your life that have created a stumbling block in your life. That's quenching the spirit. And when people look at you, they cannot see Jesus. All they see is these things in your life that do not belong in the life of a Christian. There's mountains in the way. What hope is there? Well, what hope is there? We've got a prophecy. God's coming back. And God's going to step on that mountain. And that mountain's going to split. And the Dead Sea is going to come alive. That's in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 6 through 12. It's flowing again. Now guess what? It's been dead. Did you know the Dead Sea's getting lower and lower every year? Did you know baptisms in churches are getting lower and lower every year? Attendance in churches are getting lower and lower every year. Dead Sea's going down. But brother, let me tell you one thing. Jordan's still coming in. And whenever the Lord steps on that mountain and that water starts flowing, are you listening to me? We need to get on our face before God and cry out, God, let it flow. Overflow. I did not know that was y'all's theme when God laid this on my heart to preach it three weeks before I knew that, last Sunday, when I heard your pastor preach it. I didn't know that, but God did. It said the water's flowing. How do we know it's a dead sea? Because it's flowing from the fishing. They're fishing from Engedi to Enegrium. That's the north shore of the Dead Sea. In Engedi, the fountain of the kids, what that means. Enegrium, the fountain of two kids. It's a picture of the gospel being preached. 
And the fish are there. They're catching fish. What does that mean? Souls are being saved again. Hey, it comes back alive. It's been dead for years. People say, is there any hope? There's a lot of hope. Maybe you've not had any fruit in your life as an individual for a long time. And it feels like you're just completely dead inside. Listen, all you got to do is get on your face before God and cry out to God. God, forgive me for these things. Remove these mountains in my life. Let it flow. God, I want the Holy Spirit to flow through me. Oh, it comes back a lot. The fruit trees on the bank are bearing fruit. Well, that's a picture. That's not only catching fish. That means they're having discipleship. People are growing in the Spirit of God. they got the fruit of the Spirit. Things are multiplying. Why? Because the water is flowing. you got a revival coming up. How many wants to see the Spirit of God really move in your church? Say amen. amen. It's got to start with you. It is not going to start with Herb Revis. Now, that's, he's a great preacher. Now that's a preacher. I'm playing around. He's preaching. Let me tell you, I love him. I love to hear him preach. He's so winner. He's a man of God. But it's not going to happen because he's there. We just had a revival up in Virginia. Had a good meeting. Wednesday night, altar was full. Building was full. Did not happen because I was there. My wife. It happened because God showed up. Are you hungry? Does your heart cry for revival? Does your heart cry for the Spirit of God to work in your heart and your life? Can you remember a time at one time in your Christian life, how excited you were about the things of God, and how God used you, and what a witness you were? And something happened down the line, and you slid back. Things have become cold. Even though the Dead Sea's dead, minerals are still being deposited. What am I telling you? Even though you've not maybe done much for the Lord lately, His Spirit's still there. His power is still there. He's still there waiting for you to let Him out. Oh God. Church, hear me. Oh God. Forgive us. Remove the mountains. God, let it flow. Let it flow. My heart cries for revival. Oh, God, give us revival.